Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. It's Rob Pitts coming at you. Hot Rod. What's happening, dude? Tell us the next car on the Forbes top 10 collectible cars under $10,000 list. How about your 78 through 87 mullet Malibus? El Caminos. El Caminos, the mullet truck. Now, what are you saying now? What's going through? What's the years? Uh, 78 through 87, the last year. So, we're talking about the Malibu, actually, the Malibu front end, or Monte Carlo front end. Well, it's Um, a Malibu front end on those. Monte Carlo, well, some, no. Well, you know, some got the Monte Carlo. Some got the Monte Carlo front end, and... uh, some actually got the uh, what you call it for it on the uh, yeah the what you call it anyhow it's G body truck <laughs> it's a basically G- it's the G body yeah it's a G body pickup <laughs> the uh, the cool thing about these things is they've always been kitschy cool yeah El Caminos have always you know I've said a million times are great entry levels it, it's the one thing that's weird about your El Caminos especially when you get in the sixties when it's the Chevelle type right is your Chevelle guys hate them. Yep. Usually, as a rule, the Chevelle guys hate them. The truck guys don't acknowledge them. Right. So they're kind of by themselves. But I'm going to tell you something. So is it a odd rod? In in a sense. Um, but the thing that's cool about them is there's some really nice ones out there that can be bought for small coin. I think Forbes is actually on point on this car. What are they getting the prices on this? They're in the sevens on a very nice one, on a decent one. They said, actually, if you want one for under 10 that's clean, you better act quick. And I agree with them. And there's a couple reasons why. Low mileage, choo-choo custom, right. maybe. It, it's it's got to be somewhere. It's Your typical 84. Eh, he no, no but this is the last El Camino. 87, that was it. No, no more of the El Camino unless you get a U imported in from over Australia and, you know, Holden. Yeah, there ain't um, no more lead paint either. But, you know, I mean, well, some things are a good thing when they stop. <laughs> um, the cars are V8 powered, you know, most of them are. Um, they're, they're, they're a nice small car with a, you know, decent power well, plant. Well, they weren't all V8 powered. That's what I said, most of them. Yeah. Um, but you get a good power plant and a small car. And it it still has a cool look. I mean, if you see the thing coming down the road at the front, it looks like a Malibu or a Monte Carlo. And they had SS El Caminos. Um, you know, a lot of power. You know, just nice styling to them. Um, and but it, not a lot of power. It's a well, 305. I, for a smaller car, they'd gather on way All from it. Like 80s Caprice, early 80s. Pretty decently. But, I mean, they're not. 190 horsepower in a 305. I've seen watches with more horsepower. And I agree with you there, but the three three hundred five is a good power plant if in terms of just cruising. But I mean, you got to think about one hundred ninety horsepower in a midsize car, midsize truck. Forgive me. Um, it would it would move decently. I mean, it's not you're not gonna go out there and outrun a Corvette by no means. Um, but the car, I mean, it made decent power for what it was. And I believe, as you found out, you could actually special order a three fifty in these cars. Mm-hmm. So that would be fun, and that would be one to grab. There wasn't a 30-horsepower difference in them. I mean, yeah. keep in mind, this was horrible times 
for oh, the yeah. V8. Uh, anytime in the 80s is a horrible time and for any V8. The oddest one I've ever seen, and it's actually probably one of the nicest El Camino's I've ever seen, all original, 4.3 V6 with a three-speed manual in the floor. Very odd. Very odd. Um, but they're cool cars. Uh, you know, like we said, they, they're in that G-body family. They share... They share the bloodline with your Malibu, your Malibu wagon, uh, your Monte Carlo SS, you know, all those cars, your Cutlasses, um, your T-Types, your uh, Buicks, your yeah, Regal. Yeah, Regal. Um, so, that, you know, the Grand National, which I seen one, you know, looking online earlier with a Grand National front end on it. It looked nice. Yeah, they're different. You see some of those. I've seen Pontiac front ends on those things. I mean, yeah. just anything, any hodgepodge of G-Body will fit it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I, I think Forbes might be on the mark with these. If you find the right one, the right combina- combination on it, the right low mileage on it, I think this would be a car to, you know, that you could sneak in and get for under the 10K mark. Especially if you got a cool special edition like a Royal Knight or right. a Super Sport, like a Choo Choo Cousin Super Sport. Now, they're saying in average condition you could pick one up for around $8,200. You know what? I don't disagree with that one, actually. That's a little strong. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a good entry level car. I, I think I think I think they're pretty close on this one. I'm not going to say they're dead on, but I the think the right you know SS or something like that now just a 78 El Camino that's paints a little weak on. I think they're way off. No, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. You got to find a nice one. I mean, it's got to be a pretty nice one. Um, and like you said, an SS model. Um, hopefully, someone ordered the 350 for it. I think I think you can hit in that ballpark. I, I I don't think you're far off, and I think the value of these cars will go up because it is the last of the El Camino, and with them downsizing on this car, it is a little bit different than other El Caminos. So I th- I think there is a possible value there. I think the '80s cars are going to start catching on uh, in the future. We've talked about that before, and I think this is one of them that will. Now, will it ever see um, superior collector car prices? I don't think so. I don't think it'll be crazy collector car prices, but you're always going to have your El Camino fans out there. I think I think there will be a future, you know, maybe 20 years down the road where you're going to see a nice $22,000, $23,000 El Camino of this era. Uh, but it's going to have to be a low bear. miles. Um, I don't know. Let us know what you think on that one. Let's we'll move on. Next That's what car. I'm saying. Next car. And now this one, uh, we talked about this in the last hour of the show. Uh, and we hit on these briefly, and I, I think it's funny they come back around. Um, your 73 through 91 Chevrolet K, uh, C or K Blazers. Um, you know, of course, the, the truck ended out in 87, and in 88 they swapped to the OBS body style. But the Blazers, the Suburbans, they lived on to 91 in the old square body body style, which is really odd, actually. Um, but they made the list, nonetheless. <sighs> These are some good trucks, and again, they call for eighty four hundred dollars in average condition. In the in the suburbans and the you know and the, and the Blazers, you know the right one maybe yeah you can probably pick one up from that from around that in decent condition. Um, I don't know; these ones haven't really took off yet, like you would think they would. You know what I mean? They're strong. I mean, and the nice ones. Then of course, the nice ones are going to bring top dollar. And then, of course, you know they said the C in the case. Another putting the two wheel drive and four wheel drive in the same in the same. Which basket. is not fair by no means because no, your two wheel drives are going to go leaps and bounds above your four wheel drive. Those are extremely enough. odd. Um, I I don't think they're far off on the mark on these as far as price tag, especially for a two wheel drive in decent condition. Uh, four wheel drive, I think they're a little off. I bought one. Um, 
like two or three years ago, and, and keep in mind the square buys were hot then. I bought one for like thirty five hundred bucks in in decent shape. Um, and, and you can still buy them. Another thing that was prone for rust is these blazers. Yes, they uh, are rust traps. They live in the Broncos, but they just eat rust. I mean, these things got rust all over them. Usually. Well, you know the square by trucks in general, uh, cab corners, and then uh, the backside of the front fenders, right behind the wheels, right there. Terrible on rusting issues. Terrible. Um, for some reason, well, I know why. What would happen is there was an opening underneath the hood in front of the cow panel that led down to the bottom of the fenders, and leaves and dirt and just all kinds of crap would get caught down in there. And you didn't know it. I didn't know it. We didn't clean it. No one cleaned it. No one saw all this because you got metal inner fenders, so it's not like it's easily accessible. And it would just sit there and rust and rust and rust. It would trap water. Yeah. It, you know, all these leaves, pine needles, and all this, just dirt, road grime would get down in there. And then, yeah, it rained. All the water ran down there, and it just got trapped and sat there. And, you know, of course, it's unprotected metal there. So it just sat there and ate away at it and it just rusted. And pretty soon you just got holes coming out of the bottom side of your fenders. And it led to a bunch of patch panels or replacing your fenders. And, the, and these trucks are notorious for it. The trucks, the SUVs. This same year, trucks are bad about splitting the hoods because the hood engines were so strong on them, too. All right, so in 80, was 81, they actually uh, fixed that problem. But the year 73 through 80, yes, this was a huge problem. Nobody knows how to close these hoods properly. Um, the way the hinges are made, you actually push back toward the windshield on the hood. So if the hood's open, you actually push it straight back and then close it. And you had no problem. Well, people would just go up to these hoods and just close them straight down like a normal car. Well, what would happen is the way the hinges were set up, you would the just... springs cr- had a lot of tension on them. They had a ton of tension. If you if you don't believe that, take the hood off one, close the hood, set you like a bottle or something up on there, and just let it go. That thing will fly. But, yeah, so people would just walk up and close the hood, and it would bend the hood, and you'd be left with... And they start cracking, too. Yeah, it start cracking. I tell you what else we got to get cracking on is these commercials. Again. All right, guys. Well, stay tuned. we got plenty more to talk about right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. On 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Odd Rod. What's happening, dude? Dude. 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 So, we're talking about the Forbes Top 10 Collectible Vehicles. That they have Mr. Mark on. For under ten thousand. Yeah, and we left off with the uh, you know talking about the Blazers and you know the seventies um, into the eighties, well into the nineties. Um, you know, I think they missed their mark here too. Eh, you can still buy these for the right price, but I don't know. They might have got on on these ones. You know what? Now that let me rethink that. They may have hit the mark on these. Actually, I think you you can buy these decently for under ten grand, and I think they will be worth more than that. Go I, buy me a two wheel drive blazer then. Now I'm uh, hold on now. It's C and K. I want my two wheel drive blazer calm, in good condition. Calm down now. Calm down. Um, yeah, nice wish there. Um, but buying one of these blazers, four wheel drive, obviously, or by buying a suburban in any style in a decent condition. I think you can do it. I think you can knock it out of the park with that. And I, I think, you know, very soon, um, once the pickup trucks run out of stock, once you can't get those no more, I think you're going to see the Blazer prices, the Suburban prices start shooting through the roof. Well, the 71 and 2 Blazers are already going insane. They are. They are. Well, but that was a different era. We're talking 73. But, but I'm just saying, but, yeah, though, but yeah, the trucks at, are all gone. That's yeah, what I'm getting yeah, at. The blazer, now the Blazers are getting yeah, picked over. Now in those era, the Blazers are starting to shoot through the roof, and I think you're about to see that trend happen. I would say in the next five 
five to seven years, they're going to start taking off through the roof. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that. So, Forbes, congratulations. You might have gotten one right on this one. Close. Cl- yeah, dangerously close. I'm still waiting on my two-wheel drive blazer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if you find a rust bucket, you might be able to get in under that 10K on that one. Um, very interesting, though. But let's move along to the next one, which, Forbes, good God Almighty, what do you guys do? How do you give people financial advice? Because this is probably the worst one you've missed so far. How about your 1960 through 1966 C10 pickup trucks? Horrible job. You these can't, trucks, you don't touch these trucks. You can't find range. one rusted out with a six-cylinder under the hood for under 10K. Ah, oh, now you can find that. <laughs> but a running, driving, nice truck, you don't, no. you don't touch these not trucks. Not even with a six-cylinder. Not, not good condition one, No. It's just not. We're talking long bed six cylinder money, and <laughs> and it's sketchy on running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then they, you, they then you're going to be coming out at seventy five hundred mark on that. I mean, these trucks, God Almighty, they're I would say in value they're next to your sixty seven through seventy two trucks. Um, I would say it jumps back to those, and then up to your square bodies. These trucks, I mean, they're just they're out there. I mean. And then you got people like uh, Porterbilt out in the West Coast just hammering these things. You know, Delmo's uh, shop out there at the West Coast. If you guys don't even know what Delmo does, you need to look him up. Um, just hammering these trucks to the ground, making fifty, sixty thousand dollar trucks out of them. That's very common. Um, actually, back uh, this has been five years ago or so. Missed the mark. I walked away from these trucks over about three hundred dollars. Uh, a sixty-five. It was white. Very, very minimum spot rust, spot rust over the whole truck. V8, very clean truck. And the guy was at like, I want to say he was at like 8,200 and I wanted to get for eight. And I walked away from this truck thinking he would call me back. He didn't. He didn't. And and I don't blame him because he was selling it too cheap then. Um, the, These trucks are just skyrocketed through the roof. Forbes, you're way off on this. Uh, and, you know, these trucks had some cool variations. Your 60 through uh, 63, um, as Rob and I were discussing during the break, actually had the slant back window like your 50-style trucks. The front windshield. Yeah, front windshield. Yeah. It slanted back. Um, and a lot of people complained about this. I think it's a better-looking truck. Aesthetically, it's pleasing. Yes. Um, Using it is going to tear your knee off. <laughs> um, but the popular of these trucks, and the same, seems to be what brings the money, is your 65 and 66. For some reason, especially those, big back glass trucks. Yes, for some reason, those two years of the trucks on these are really where the money is sitting at, and, and I just I, I can't say enough. I think Forbes is way off on this. Yeah, that right there, they had a total brain fart there. This is one era of Chevy truck that I've not owned yet. Um, very interesting. My uncle enough. owned one. <laughs> That's close. <laughs> it was in family. Just saying. I had a cousin with one, so yeah. I mean that kind of counts. Um, you know, I think the step sides, I think uh, the step side version of these trucks, I think are hideous. They're, they're they have no flow to them whatsoever. Okay. Which the oddly enough is gorgeous. what, uh, obviously, uh, or oddly enough, that's what my cousin owned was a step side version of one of these trucks. They're, you're right, they are okay. That's it. Um, the the, the, the script on the tailgate's pretty cool. The cool thing about the uh, these trucks, the one I remember the most was a kid growing up. There was one for sale on the way to the shop. And it was black, and this is going to show my age. It was black, <laughs> black bumpers, black grills, slammed for down the, the ground. For the right dollar amount, I'll tell you his age. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's a black 66. You know, big back glass, lowered down, 
on 87 gold IROC wheels. <laughs> so somebody converted to small bolt pattern, five right. lug, because all these trucks were six. And I thought that was the coolest truck ever. Like, I just thought, that thing looks good with them IROC wheels on it, <laughs> don't it? IROC wheels were the rally wheels for kids of the 80s. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not too suave on these trucks, other than the awesome hood that was overly huge to open. Um, were these trucks not all cool springs all the way around, with, like, the traction bar rear end? Or, uh, yeah. I'm thinking pretty sure they're all cool spring trucks. Yeah, they're not leaf spring trucks during this time, are they? GMCs were. Jim, odd. My GMC is. Well, no, no. Well, you got seventy-two. But I mean, they were all. That's the difference in them. It's a, it's a higher. Yeah, that, it was that, like a higher that, grade that's, truck. That's true because uh, your Chevrolets during uh, sixty-seven through seventy-two were cool, cool mm-hmm. trucks. Interesting fact. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Um, but yeah, so the, these trucks and Chevrolet for definitely sure were coil spring trucks, which made them easier to lower too. If you want to go that route with them. Um, kind of made it a pain to lift, but well, I mean, I imagine the four wheel drives had actually did have leaf springs on them. I would think so. I would think so too. I, I would, yeah, I would absolutely think so. I'm gonna have to look into that one a little bit because I'm, you know what? Got to dig in there. I, I actually feel bad. I'm, I'm kind of loose in knowledge when it comes to these trucks. I, I guess I kind of overlook them. Yeah. And it's it's bad because these are beautiful trucks. Makes me feel like I need to go call my uncle. <laughs> Well, my cousin passed away, so I can't call him. My uncle did, too, so you know, I was just trying to be cool about it. <laughs> I was just trying to be cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to look into these trucks a little bit more because I'm, I'm not too versed in them. I do remember seeing that really cool one at SEMA last year that they uh, closed off the hood and just made the hood open up top. You remember that? Mm-hmm. They fixed the problem. Yeah. The uh... Now, those hoods wouldn't crease on you. No, 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 no. <laughs> there was no chance. You could flip those hood, hoods over and use them for a boat. Uh, some of them, the turn signal was even mounted in the hood. Actually, they all were. All of them, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah all of them were. Yeah, they were all mounted in the hood. And I think a lot of that, by the way, the tall hood was for the six-owners. The big six-owners. You know what, that, makes sense. Like that. that actually makes sense, actually. Yeah, I, I think I said, why? Why would you make it so big? Well, you know what, it does make it easier to lean in and work on, though. You know, when you got the hood open, I mean, you got, there's so much area to lean in on the sides and work yeah, you on. you just crawl up in there. Yeah, you just crawl up in there and work. I don't know. They're unique trucks. Uh, it's a good truck to look at. And you know what? You might be able to look up and find one under 10K, but it's it's going to be few and far between. And there's not going to be much to it. And you know what? Speaking of that, you don't see many of those in a 4x4. There were a few, not a lot. You you, you really don't. You really don't see that many 4x4 in them trucks. i tell you what else you don't see is these commercial brakes coming. Gray's like snapping his fingers over here. Yeah, that right. All right, guys. Well, um, stay tuned. We got plenty more coming. Um, we got some more uh, Forbes list. Um, yeah, anyhow, we got more of them coming up. Ray here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod, what's happening, dude? We are sharing the Forbes list that actually hit the internet this week of their top ten collectible cars for under ten thousand uh, dollars. If that's what you want to call it, it's more like a you know. I think so I think far that, we've picked two of them out of the list that were decent. I, I I think really they just like what kind of car do you drive, Jim? And he's like, well, I like to have this. And they're like, okay, we'll put that down the list. I, yeah, I, as long I, as it wasn't a Lamborghini, they put it on the list. All right, so which brings us to the number nine spot. Actually, um, this is the nineteen forty six through forty nine Willys Jeep CJ two A, which is the first civilian Jeeps 
And they were a little more than the workhorse that proved invaluable to the U.S. Army during World War II, which we had a whole show discussing those. Well, I mean, I think about it. The only big difference between these Jeeps is they come in colors. Well, they come in, you get colors, and they added. They actually added a tailgate. Um, so it was, you know, kind of usable. So. The, uh, I mean, they're kind of cool. They're iconic. You know, I understand Jeeps are extremely popular. And I'm not the biggest Jeep fan in the world. But, you know, the military Jeeps... You know, for a long time, you could buy those things for a song because usually just your military guys were the only ones remotely interested in riding around in an army jeep. Right. But now the prices of them are shooting up. Um, they got these listed on average price of $8,800. And, and I'm not a big enough jeep connoisseur to be able to tell you yes or I no. know just enough about them that I think that's going to get you all in this market. Yeah. You'll be all over. I, I mean... <sighs> I don't know much about these early CJs, but I know what the early Willys, you know, like the panels and things bring. Right. And I know about what the military Jeeps bring. My dad actually traded for one one time. Well, I... And he, that was the funniest thing is riding around in an army Jeep. Here's what I know about Jeeps. And I didn't even ve- play with G.I. Joes when I was a kid. This is very limited knowledge I have about Jeeps. It seems like once they crawl under that $10,000 mark and they hit around the six to 9000 they stay there forever. Yes and no, but I want to tell you something. Jeeps are, are off all the way across the board, though. You know, those $15,000 CJs, you know, you see, like the 70s, you right. know, the Gold Eagles, those things drop like a rock. Yeah, and, and it's odd because Jeeps have always hung on to their value. Um, I think they were popular. I, I think they're... And there's value in a um, Jeep. They'll be popular again. I think it's kind of like owning a station wagon. I think that's what Jeep is. It's kind of like owning a station wagon. They have that niche following. That I feel the same way about them. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as owner of, uh, uh, will have owned multiple station wagons. Um, I, you know, you gotta you gotta be a wagon guy. You gotta you know, and you gotta be a jeep guy. Exactly. So I, that's why I say I think it's kind of like owning a station wagon. Um, you know, I'm gonna drive by 50 people who are gonna look at my station wagon as just old station wagon. You're gonna drive by 50 people. It's just gonna be like, oh, this is an old piece of junk jeep. But if you're a jeep guy, if you're a wagon guy, you're gonna look at these cars and be like, oh my god, that's a sweet you know jeep Literally. um you know that's a that's a 47 cj2a that's that's awesome um the i'm two not people in the world that <laughs> yeah, know that both but. of you both of you are going to stand in awe and one of them's grandpa invented it um but you know it, it's funny because you can buy this you know this 47 jeep for the same price that you can buy this uh 98 jeep and you're getting a lot better Jeep in and the long run. But that, that does the exact same thing that you're probably going to do the exact same thing with. But it has heat. Yeah, and, you know, like sealable doors and things like that. Um, no, 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 they're still not watertight, even remotely. But, you know, I don't, I just don't see a collector value when it comes to a Jeep. I I don't know. I may be off. I, I You know, some of your AMC Jeeps with the big V8s, yeah, they're, they might have a value there to them one day. But still, I don't... Well, everything's collectible. I mean, if you want to go with that, with small displacement, I mean, how much Model A's with a four-cylinder in them? I mean... Well, and you serve a valid point, but even those, you don't see this pristine Model A with 10 miles... I don't even know if they had odometers in them then. You don't see pristine Model A's with, you know, going for fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. They just don't. No, they don't bring that kind of money No, Now, your street rod, yeah. But, I mean, if you buy old wooden spoke Model A, you're probably going to pay around, what, twenty. Model A's didn't have wooden spokes. <laughs> that was T bucket or it was T models. Yeah, it was T models. But, but uh, <laughs> your wooden spoke. But you know, I say I don't know much about those cars. This is just not my forte. 
I mean, I like the street rod. You know, when you once you start knocking fenders off of you them, know the, the ones with the horses hooked to the front of them. <laughs> well, the Maltese had wooden spokes and lay off me a little bit. <laughs> Cut me a break. <laughs> me, me and uh, old <laughs> Henry Ford, we ain't mashed together that well. Yeah, I don't think anybody really meshed well with Henry Ford, but no. Look, you know what? I'll, I'm gonna go on a tangent for a second. Look up Henry Ford in your spare time. Yeah, if you ever just get bored, you know, in in your history books, you know, Henry Ford is a hero. Yeah, he, he you know. But he, if you ever want to just re, just Google Henry Ford, and and um, I don't know how many of you guys look at YouTube. This is this. Is, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I think it's funny. Um, if you there's a new uh, website out called I think it's called Cardova or something like that. Cardova.com. And they talk about the buying of used car sucks. Is what you see it on YouTube. It pop up in the ads a lot. Carvana. Carvana. There you go. Them. <laughs> I actually messaged him because they they were talking about since Henry Ford invented the car. Let me uh, let me kill a little bug here. Henry Ford did not invent the car. He invented the assembly line. He invented the ease of building the car. He did not invent the car. And I actually sent him a message about that. They've read it, but they didn't reply. <laughs> I said, uh, your ad is uh your ad is wrong. <laughs> Please people do your research. But yes, look up Henry Ford in your spare time. Yeah, Henry Ford was was almost insane. Um I would say horrible person, yeah, actually. A very horrible person. Another f- odd fact about Henry Ford, do you know he would not work on Friday the thirteenth? Uh, yeah, superstitious. He was extremely yeah, superstitious. I've, I've heard that as well. Very superstitious. Um, actually, very racial, uh, racist person. Yeah. Um, just very horrible person. Very interesting character to look into, though. Um, but back to the Jeeps, though. I, I I don't like like the old Fords. I don't know enough about them to really say. But I think I think Forbes is on point. I think you can buy any old Jeep for in the eights. You can get around all around them, and obviously, you know, the nicer or the more provenance or the more story or the lower mileage or odder options, obviously, you're going to get in more money with them. But I, I, I don't know. I just I don't see there ever being like this $20,000 Jeep. Unless I can think of so many better ways to spend $10,000 in an automobile to make money off of. Yeah, I mean, uh, quicker flips. I mean, and then you got to find a Jeep guy to buy it. If, if you're looking at it from a collectible, from a uh, monetary, from a uh, flipping standpoint of actually an investment, I think a Jeep is bad. I think it's a bad choice. There's a market there, but it's a small market. Yeah, I mean, once you buy this, you know, rare 47 Jeep, who's going to buy it from you? You know, um, and me and you talk about this all the time when it, when it comes down to collectability on a car. Um, We'll just we'll compare our cars. You got a '65 Malibu SS, numbers match a car, 327 four speed, gorgeous car, absolutely is an epitome of hot rodding, um, in, or epitome of muscle car. And then you look at my '91 Caprice wagon with the LS power. Um, in terms of cool, they're both cool cars, without a shadow of a doubt. They're both fast cars. They're both fun cars. You can get them and drive anywhere. You can have all the fun in the world. Now, when it comes to a collectible standpoint. The wagon, the only thing it's got going for it is the power plant and the fact that it is a wagon. There will always be a market for a wagon. In terms of collectability, in terms of monetary value over the long haul, is that wagon worth it? No. I probably took a major loss if I ever got to sell that car. You, on the other hand, no matter what you paid for that Malibu, in 10 years, you're going to be able to get your money plus some back out of it. And it's always going to be that way. And you got to look at cars, if you're t- talking in a collectible sense... Within yeah. reason, you paid for it. Within re- yeah, of course. 
Uh, in terms of a collectible sense, you got to look at the longevity of the car. Is the car going to always be worth something? Because there are some old cars that just aren't worth anything. There are some old cars that aren't worth the money. No. Um, you know, so you got to look at, is this old Jeep going to 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down, down the road? Is it going to be a retirement plan or would have uh, buying that 69, you know, Super B, would that have been your smarter choice? Probably not, pending an engine package, but still, look at that because, you know, it's it's not always the case. You know, the old, just because it's an old car don't necessarily mean it's going to be a collectible car. You know, and flash through a lot of these in the list. Some of these trucks we've talked about. Now, pickup trucks models, yeah, you're probably safe. I'd say about any old truck, you're probably pretty safe on. Now, the when Dodges, talk- I'd be a little leery. I'd be in TMD, yeah. unless it's some special edition or something. Right. But, and that's what I was getting to there. You take a run of a mill, you know, D100, and, you know, fast forward 20 years, did you make a good investment? I don't think so. Now, do, you th- do I think you could sell it for more money than you spend on it? You might get lucky and do that. But as far as holding, you know, $10,000 hostage for 20 years to, you know, sell it for 15, I think that's an absolute dumb move. I think you need to look at something better. And and that's where I think Forbes has missed all the way around on this list. So I'm with you. Um, and, and, and the Jeep is just another one. Like I said, I don't know enough about Jeeps to really sit here and argue that this is a dumb investment. But from what I've seen of Jeeps, from what I, you know, the loose knowledge I have of a Jeep, I just don't, I don't think they, they are the smartest investment to jump on. No. I think you can do what they're saying here in this list. I think you can buy one for under 10 and in 10 years turn around and sell it for a little bit above 10. I don't think it's worth I think paying. you can spend your money better. Absolutely. Speaking of spending money, though, this uh, show costs money and we got to take some commercial breaks to pay pay for all that yes we do guys i tell you what stay tuned you're okay. listening to hot rods and happy hour right here on 106.3 word all right guys welcome back to hot rods and happy hour we're talking about the forbes top 10 list of cars under ten thousand dollars collectible cars under ten thousand dollars to buy what's going on dude what's going on brother <laughs> all, all right rod all right so uh let's bring it into this last car and uh, we're gonna move through this one quickly because i hate it um, so coming in at our number 10 spot, and these were in no particular order whatsoever. Um, how about your 57 through 60 Ford F-Series trucks? The red-headed stepchild of the F-Series saga. Yeah, these things are horrible. They're horrible. They're Next to an international pickup, they, they're probably the ugliest pickup they trucks They kind of look made. like international pickup. A lot. Uh, they're kind of like Tonka trucky ish Yeah, and I mean, I've seen some that Chip Foo's got a hold of that look Better. Well, yeah, Foose, Kendig, or something like that builds one. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be decent, but these things are hideous, man. The um, And they're saying an average one for $9,900, actually. So. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, of course, you're your F-Series. And, I mean, coming off probably one of the most beautiful style pickup trucks of all time is that you know that 48 to 56 truck. You know, of course, you had the, you know, the 48 to 50. And then you had the you know the bullet front ends, and then you had the fifty four that had the two bullets. Your Samson son, Samson son, Sanford and son, Sanford and son truck. And then uh, then you had, of course, you know your fifty four or fifty five and fifty six trucks were gorgeous. Fifty six, and I agree. Fifty six F one or F one hundred is is an absolutely beautiful well, truck. A fifty six anything is pretty good looking. I mean, a fifty six was a good year for for everything in yeah. automotive. Um, um, but that's the thing about it; these trucks. 
leave a lot to be desired in the style department. They, you know, Chevrolet was playing with the fleet side bed, and Ford got the memo, but they dropped the ball. And you know, I'll, odd engine combinations. I'll spare going through my rant once again about um, you know collectability and all that, but. I I think these trucks kind of fall under that Jeep category. I think you can get one right now for under the ten, and I think in about ten twenty years it'll be worth fifteen, maybe twenty thousand dollars. Um, in terms of long term collectability, I just I don't see it for these trucks. I don't ever picture one of these trucks crossing over Barrett Jackson selling for fifty sixty thousand dollars. Knock me in the head. I could be wrong. Unless Henry Ford's inside it buried. Yeah, exactly. I just I don't see it. Not under not in factory conditions. You know, if Chip Fils, Chip Foose built one, yeah, okay, maybe. But under factory conditions, I just don't see the value on these. Yeah, things. I'm not really following this. I tell you, I see so many better ways to spend ten k in the automotive field. Absolutely. Rod, give me a couple cars you'd buy that's under the ten k mark that's going to make me money. Um, without a shadow of doubt, and I know you're going to kill me for falling back on these, but my number one choice and turnaround, now I think this will take a few years to do, um, but would be your 94 through 96 Impala SSs. And there's a, there's a couple different ones I would go after. Um, your 95 in the green, the green-gray metallic uh, color, that was your lowest production car. They only made 5,000 of those. Um, that would be my number one go after in terms of long-term collectability. Um, your 94s, uh, they only came in black. Those are also going to be a good collector just because it's the first year, and there's some oddities about those. 96s will always be there in low mileage just because it's got the floor shifter. It's the only year for that. Um, so those cars, you know, any of the years, 95, you got to pick the right color, uh, but the 94 or the 96. Um, the, black, cherry, green, gray, metallic, or black, it's yeah, hard to miss. Um, yeah, you're, you're hard to miss on those cars. You're, you're doing right. In any of them you buy. In any flavor. Um, like I said, in, in, in 95, I would definitely get the green one. Um, but in terms of uh, collectability, I think they're all going to be there. Now, and now with these cars, with it being LT1 powered, you definitely want to find, uh, find a very low mileage one out there. And they're out there. And you know, Why do you, you want to find a low mileage one so much other than value? Uh, well, th- th- that's just it, the value of it. Um, now, interestingly enough, these cars span heavily in prices. Um, some of these cars are just, you know, if you're a, if you're at ten thousand dollar cap, some of them are unobtainable. Um, I've seen cars, you know, with twelve thousand miles selling for upwards around the mid twenties and uh, twenty thousand dollars. You know that that market. Uh, I think you can find a nice, you know, forty fifty thousand mile car for under ten k though. Um, my good my good friend Heath, who lives up in North Carolina, actually bought one with a five speed in it, um, with a Corvette lug pattern on it. It's actually got Corvette wheels on it. It's got a lot of nice, uh, uh, you know, tricks up its sleeve, if you will. And he bought it for eighty five hundred dollars. So the cars are out there, and it is a ninety five in green as well. Um, so it's the rarest color option. So these cars are out there for under that ten k mark in very good condition. Um, mileage might not exactly be where you want it for that 10k mark, but you can definitely get in one of these cars, and you can definitely have something to put up, and be preserved, and have something that you know 10, 15, 20 years down the road, I think you're definitely going to have a thirty thousand dollar car in your hand, for maybe even forty thousand dollar car. Um, this was always considered the last hot rod. That left. Okay. Enough B-Body talk. We've talked for five <laughs> minutes and 17 seconds about B-Bodies, and I've stayed quiet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. That's it. You don't get two. You just got one. <laughs> All right. Next, a car I would buy. I'm thinking about your late third-gen vets. All right. I'll, I can rock with that. You can actually. You're not going to be buying any nice indie pace cars or anything like that, but you buy a nice 81, 82 vet. 
maybe even 70, 79 clean low miles cars. Um, 350 L82 cars. These cars right here are doing nothing going up in value. Corvettes are always going to be hot. These cars are not taking any more losses. They've gone as low as they can go. They're shooting straight up. And, you know, that's what Hot Rod Magazine actually wrote an article on the B-Body and said the exact same thing. They hit that point. And, and I feel your same way in, in your Corvettes. I think they have. I the think C4s they, are still got a little drop in them. C5s have got a long way to go in the drop. C3s are done, and they're going back up. I mean, you know, the I C, my favorite thing was nothing would surpass a C2 big block vet in price. And now you see the big block C3 vets, earlys, you know, 68 through 72s. These cars are bringing, or 68, 69 big block cars, are bringing more money than the C2s are. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time when all these cars get picked over and are unobtainable. The C3s all through the years. And even in that 10K range, you can start getting into the 75s, and those were the last of the 454s. You know, in terms of cars like that, I, I think we can actually talk about um, even your C4s and C5 vets in only your special edition cars. Um, I wouldn't say go out there and buy you a 2002 Corvette, um, although you can get one for under 10K. I don't think that's the car to buy. Now, if you get a 99Z06 FRC car, now you, your mileage might not be exactly where you want it, but I think you can still get a nice, clean car for under that 10K. And market. if I was going to go into another one, you see, you skip over the C4s. Uh, I said C4s as well, but I think you got to go special edition on this. Yes, yeah. Like I said, you go for like you know, a 35th anniversary 88 car, which the all cocaine white ones. Those cars, especially at lower mileage, they would be super cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not. I'm not a big C4. Car. I don't think GM called it cocaine white from the factory though. Yeah, I don't think you go to GM and say, "Oh yeah, can I get the cocaine white one?" I don't think you can do that. Now, <laughs> if John Delorean was working there, he could probably hook you up. Actually, <laughs> I think I think John Delorean could uh, take care of your the John Delorean uh, edition Corvette. Um, I think he could take care of your needs when it came to that. But no, and all you know, I, I think it's known. I'm not the biggest C4 Corvette fan. Um, now there was a lot of ingenuity on those cars and a lot of development that came in on those cars um, that made them necessary for Corvettes to come. And there's a lot of good parts to rob off them cars. In terms of collectability, I don't think they've hit yet. I'm, I'm like you. I think they're still going to drop even more. I think there's going to come a time when you can buy a C4 for like 1500 bucks. There is. Yeah. So. Um, but I do think those cars are going to skyrocket back up. I do. And I think, like I said, and, and you know, Forbes to even touch on this, and these are desirable cars. These, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a Corvette. Yeah, it's America's I mean, sports car. I mean, I would absolutely. I would much rather have this than a 71 Delta 88 <laughs> convertible or any decree. And, and I agree with you. I, I, I'd rather I, have an Impala SS, and that's something you won't hear me say often, <laughs> especially in the 94 through 96 variety. <laughs> But you know you're absolutely right. You you know you pick up your pace cars or your special editions, the the cocaine white one, um, in your in your C4 vets. Yes, they're going to crawl through the roof. I really believe that these cars are going to be the ones that, especially if you catch one with no miles on it, and you just put that bad boy away and you leave them ugly saw blade wheels on there. I love them things too. <laughs> I absolutely hate them. But I, I, you leave those things on there, and, and I think you're going to really have a car that in 20 years, 30 years from now will be worth every single penny of your investment. I firmly oh, believe Oh, and then some. I mean, uh, yeah. they, they will be money-making cars. They're, they're desirable. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, you get, you get some people that just got that old-school California feel, wanting to rest. I mean, you got to think about it. You know, someone grew up in the 80s, you know. And I tell that you, was the sports car of their time. And I'll tell you what we even touched on. We can't say we have one show without it. I'll say it really quick. Fox Body Mustangs. You're absolutely right, but we're going to wait for another time on that because we're winding down to the end of the show, and uh, I think Cigar Dave wants to speak after us. So, um, 
Uh, that's all for this week on Hot Rods and Happy Hour, guys. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out our podcast on iTunes and on uh, 1063WRD.com. Everybody have a Merry Christmas and a safe holiday. Absolutely. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.